0: What's up gamers, and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer, and you have just stepped into my Captain's Quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming-related decree this week it's all about hitman 3's new content and roadmap coming for 2022 as well as more 20th anniversary xbox celebrations and a remake of one of my favorite rpgs so let's talk about it and dive right into the episode with my news catch of the week Gamers, with all the content that I wanted to cover in this week's Catch of the Week, there's not one topic that I wanted to talk about more with you guys than Hitman 3 Year 2. Now, if you listen to this show, you'll know I am an absolute huge fan of the Hitman franchise. Earlier this year, played through Hitman 3. I loved it. I got a review out there if you want to hear my detailed thoughts. But I loved it so much that I immediately, as soon as those credits rolled, jumped into Hitman 2 The one in the World of Assassination Trilogy, not Silent Assassin, just to clarify. Because I never got to it. When it released, I didn't get to it. and the years since, I never jumped on. Well, as much as I loved Hitman 3, I just had to know what that second chapter of the Hitman World of Assassination Trilogy was all about. Did I like it more than Hitman 3? Find out. I also have a review out there for that as well. And then, just during the hype of all this Hitman obsession in the beginning of the year for me... Me and good friend of the show, Graveyard Gamer of Graveyard Gamer Podcast right here on Anchor and many other platforms, he and I did a joint episode, which I called Hitman In Between the Levels. Check that out. It talks about our favorite levels and missions in the series, our favorite game of the franchise, our favorite loadouts, all those cool little details are in there. Great conversation, a great time. So check those episodes out if you're a fan of the Hitman franchise. But as far as Hitman 3, year two... So IO came up this past week and they made some announcements that there are some new content coming and I'll get to that in just a second. But I just want to say one thing that really made me very happy to hear. And the one thing they first started out everything with was saying that Hitman 3 has been the most successful Hitman game yet. And for me, that's a big deal because for IO Interactive and for the Hitman franchise just in general, it's been kind of a roller coaster ride as far as success or the definition of success from title to title. You know, you had Hitman Absolution and all the drama that became between IO Interactive and Square Enix and the fallout that came from that. And that's how we kind of got the episodic release of Hitman 2016. And then you go into Hitman 2. And that's why we got static cutscenes and not actual movement during all the cutscenes in between missions, was because the funding just wasn't there from a major big publisher. There's just been so much going on, and IO stuck with it, and man, did they reap the rewards and the benefits of being patient, I would say, and good for them. So over 50 million players have played these games across the trilogy. So across three games, they've had over 50 million people playing them, which I think is awesome. And Hitman 3 specifically, we'll just say, is going to begin on January 20th of 22. And they're gonna announce the official roadmap of content for the year. And that is actually going to be pretty extensive. It's gonna go throughout the entire year with new maps, new storylines, new modes, and as they say, quote unquote, new ways to play. I can only speculate as to what that means. Now, in addition to this, they also announced they were bringing ray tracing to PC as well as VR to PC in January. The game did launch, believe it or not, if you didn't know this, with PlayStation VR last this past January. And there is going to be a new way coming out to play Elusive Targets, which is going to be a brand new game mode called Elusive Target Arcade. So in this, they say, quote, "...prepare to take on the ultimate Elusive Target challenge, and a challenge to the established formula and this fan-favorite game mode." All elusive target arcade content will be permanent additions to the game. Full details on how this works is going to be shared in January of 2022. Now, I don't know exactly what that means there. Uh, Again, speculation runs rampant as to what that means. Elusive target arcade. If you don't know what elusive targets are, it came up with the first Hitman 2016 of the World of Assassination trilogy. Basically, what you do is they had timed targets. They would release a target online. There was a set amount of time that you had to hop into the game world and take out this target. The big stipulation is you have one shot, one opportunity. You die, that's it. You can never again attempt to go after that elusive target. If you get caught, whatever the case may be, however you may potentially fail a mission, there is no retry. There is no reload. You get that one shot and that's it. So that made it extremely intense. But a lot of fun at the same time whenever these things came out. And I personally love them. So I'm very interested to see exactly what the details of Elusive Target Arcade are. Now, there was another spot that they had down there at the bottom of the different scrawl of stuff. And it said redacted. Now, obviously that's a little tease as to what we can expect that there's probably something bigger than just these basic quote unquote announcements of an elusive target arcade mode. you know more content and yeah I can't wait to see what it is. I personally I'm hoping that it's expansion missions or areas in the vein of the two that they did for Hitman 2. Now those two, oh my, ooh, those are two of my favorite Hitman missions ever. As far as the locations, the targets, the way that you can take out your targets, man guys, it was such an amazing time in both of those expansion content missions. So if we're talking those kinds of missions for Hitman 3, I am super stoked for that. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself or too excited, but that is exactly what I want from this content. In spring 2022, they said that we're going to get a major update to the game and stay tuned for more details, of course. So that's all we got from IO as to the specifics or non-specifics of what we can expect. But the fact that we have a second year of content, or that they're calling it Hitman Year 2, as we've seen with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, there's a year or two of it coming this year. A lot of these games are going to second season's worth of content and just really expanding the longevity of an individual game, which, you know, I, I think it has both its pros and cons, but at the same time, it's actually something really exciting to keep you coming back to that same game world as opposed to waiting years and years or potentially never for a sequel a full-on sequel that would release, you know, 4 years after the original game did or something to that effect. But either way, very excited to see what they do and what they end up coming up with for this Hitman 3 content. So the next piece of information that I wanted to discuss with you guys this week, it's not a confirmed piece of information, but it is a fun rumor to speculate and to hope <laughs> that it may be, in fact, valid. Now, Chrono Cross is one of my favorite PlayStation 1 RPGs. I absolutely loved the game. It prompted me to play Chrono Trigger from the Super Nintendo era, of which I'd never played at that point. I actually went out and bought Final Fantasy Chronicles. It came with Final Fantasy 4, I think, and Chrono Trigger, and both of which uh, were awesome. I actually... As most of you old-school gamers will probably agree with me, I still preferred Chrono Trigger to Chrono Cross. But Chrono Cross was pretty awesome, uh, especially for its time, the way that it utilized different combat mechanics and things, and just the story and the world and environment that you explored. Oh, man, it was still really, really good. So the rumor has been out there in cyberspace for a while that PlayStation was going to be announcing some kind of major, big remake of a title around Christmas time. So here we are. We're in the first few days of December. We're right there around that timing. Ironically or not enough, the Game Awards is going to be debuting very soon. And that is kind of the timing of it is when it was rumored that maybe PlayStation would make this announcement at the Game Awards. So we'll wait and see. We're not very much far away from that. But you take that piece of information and you couple it with a big remake that was mentioned by a folk singer, Abba McMahon, on an Irish radio station back in October, and he claimed that he was making a song for this purported major remake. And the rumor is that it is, in fact, a remake of Chrono Cross, the one from the PlayStation era. And uh, Baker's sources actually tell him that it's a multi-platform title as opposed to a PlayStation-exclusive title. So it's one of those things where maybe PlayStation has the exclusive announcing rights or something to that effect, or maybe it'll be exclusive to PlayStation initially. Who knows? None of this may be true, but the fact is, it got me thinking about Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger again, and I'm like, yeah, that is a series that honestly I had forgotten about, and I would love to see an updated version of that series and of that world. It was just such an awesome world to play around in. So, we'll see what happens. Again, we're right there around the game rewards, so hopefully if we do see something, it'll come from there, and, man, I'll keep my excitement in check until we know something a little bit more concrete. But, the last thing I really wanted to touch base on with you guys this week in this segment is the 20th anniversary celebrations of Xbox, And I guess I should say the continued celebration, because every week it feels like there's something new that they are releasing or are doing as part of the celebration of the brand. And this past week, I just absolutely went nuts over Xbox Museum. I'm sure a lot of you listeners out there may have checked it out. And basically what Microsoft has done has created this 3D interactive museum of the history of Xbox that you can download or just jump right into from the website on your phone or tablet or whatever device you seem fit now i jumped in and man it is just it's so amazing to go back 20 years and a lot of the really cool information that microsoft has on display here you can listen to little audio clips or watch video clips of different developers and designers of the console and the different things over the course of the history of the console The Rock, obviously, with Bill Gates, that's synonymous at this point with the reveal of the original Xbox, that's on there. Uh, Original concept designs and pictures of what the Xbox and the controller and all these different things look like. Halo and its 20-year history. There's a whole segment that you can go to and explore just on Halo. But the biggest thing to me was your own personal museum. That's right, however long you've been, on Xbox Live, or what is now the Xbox Network, you have that history recorded for you right there in your very own personal museum. And I thought that was amazing because I personally am a glutton for stats, and I love looking back over my career in a sense. And you know, different things that they called out, like how many games I've played over the last twenty years that they've tracked on Xbox. And uh, I just I wanted to share a few of them with you that I thought was just pretty awesome. 743, actually, is the number of games that I've played over the course of now four console generations. 11,593 achievements unlocked, a third of which are rare achievements, which kind of baffled me because rare achievements have only been around not too, too long in the whole grand scheme of the 20-year history of Xbox, but already a third of the achievements I unlocked are rare. Now, my most played game of all my... Xbox career did not surprise me. It is The Witcher 3, which is also, in fact, ironically, my favorite game of all time. So it would kind of stand to reason that my favorite game of all time will be the game that I've played most over the last 20 years of Xbox. Now, my top five played games, they were very interesting as well. Starting with five and going down to one, we have Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Number four is Valhalla. Number three is Final Fantasy XV. Number two is Mass Effect Andromeda and number one is The Witcher 3, of course. So obviously, I would say I'm a little bit of an RPG fan, and I look at those five games, and when I tallied up the amount of time that I spent among those five games, gamers, it's pretty insane. Uh, It's just shy of a thousand hours that I've spent in just those five games. That's a lot of gaming goodness right there, but Either way, I just wanted to share how much I loved the Xbox Museum, the concept of it, the idea of it, the fun that I had, and the unique uh, stats that really stood out to me about myself over 20 years of playing Xbox. The other real quick piece that I wanted to add out there that I thought was awesome, that I really was hoping that I was one of these lucky people, but I was not, Microsoft did send out 20th anniversary gift bundles to random, supposedly, FanFest members. And I am a member of Xbox Fan Fest. And the bundle was called the Keepsake Kit, and it included a Halo-themed Series X or S controller, a 12-month subscription to Game Pass Ultimate. But the biggest thing that I was most excited about that I would have loved to have had is a crystal plaque that has that person's gamer tag laser etched on it. It just looked awesome. Some of the different posts I had seen on Twitter or Instagram, and man, that would have just been really cool to display. But in general, I just thought it was really cool that Microsoft did something like that. So, that is what I have this week that really stood out to me in the news world of video games. So now, let's open up my Captain's Log and see what games I've been playing. Gamers, as I turn the pages in my Captain's Log, the first game I'll stop at that I played this past week is, of course, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I am on that final push to finally complete this base game. And I dropped about six and a half hours into it this past week. Total playtime is now 233 hours, which is absolutely insane. One reason I'll mention that is kind of interesting to me. The game I've played the most in 20 years of Xbox, as I mentioned, is The Witcher 3. And that was with the base game and both expansions. Now, that total playtime was right around 270 or so hours. Where I'm at now at 233 with Valhalla... I'm curious, even with four story arcs left at this point, I'm I'm very curious to see if Valhalla will in fact end up taking over that number one spot of most played Xbox game in 20 years. But we'll see. As far as what I did this past week in the six and a half hours played, I did continue and completed to my absolute glee the story arc and region exploration of Snoltinghamshire. Now, after, I would say, the sidestep and momentum that was Gloucestershire and its story arc. Now, again, I enjoyed the story arc, enjoyed the region, but as a whole overall grand scheme of things, just a little recap quick here. I loved Yorvik and Yorkshire, both region and story arc. And that momentum went into S- <laughs> Glowichester Shire, and it just completely stopped. And I felt like it picked back up in Snottinghamshire. I will say that it is not on that same level as Jorvik Shire and Yorvick, but it definitely was a step above the Shire region and Ark. Now in Snottinghamshire we are back in the north and interacting with other Viking clans of the region and trying to forge, of course, ever more alliances. And I felt like this arc it felt a lot more personal to Eivor. It involves some childhood friends and some mentors and I just really did enjoy that aspect of the story arc. I love getting like bits and pieces of Eivor and his past and you know the things about him that we didn't really know or wouldn't know otherwise about who this character is before the start of this game. Now, the regional identity that I talk about in every region is definitely keeping that going here with a ton of beautiful waterfalls and frozen mountains and snow-capped trees and caves and all the villages and everything in this area are very much Norse-themed. And so the architecture is just absolutely gorgeous and just the sigils and signs everywhere. I loved it. The authors you come across in the region. Oh, I absolutely loved this region yet again and it just baffles me it really cracks me up I'll say it again (laughs) I love these snowy northern regions the most at this point because I absolutely hate snow and the cold in real life so maybe that's why maybe I can appreciate it in the game world because I'm not sitting there cold and having to deal with shoveling the snow out front I don't know but I did have some fun with the world events that were in this region and I made my way past what I will say uh Yet another arch-nemesis of mine in this game, it would seem. That arch-nemesis is the Cairn. That's right, the Stacking Stones. And if you have played Assassin's Creed Valhalla at any length to get further into the regions and storylines to where you come to these Cairns that are placed later in the game, you should be able to understand my absolute infuriating frustration with these things. Now, I will say there were two cairns that I dealt with this past time, and neither of them took my time up to the 45 minute and an hour mark like the two previous frustrating cairns did, but it was still roughly 20 to 30 minutes. And I tell you, there is no more frustrating feeling than when you have that last stone to stack on the top of the cairn to reach. The threshold that you have to to be successful with the puzzle, only to have it topple the entire cairn and you have to start over. I tell you, if there has ever been a more controller throwing inducing moment in gaming in recent history, I don't know what it is for me. But man, uh, I did complete a couple cairns, move past those. Overall, though, I didn't feel the story arc. Uh, again, hit the highs of York Jorvik and Yorkshire. But it definitely was that nice pick-me-up that I needed from those perspectives after Gloucesters' story arc and region. Afterwards, I met up with Ranvi, finalized everything, and the only region I had left as an option to pledge to and go to next was the region of Winchester. So as I said at the beginning of my time talking about this, guys, I only have four story arcs left in the base game. That is insane for me to say. I feel so excited about that, being able to say that. It's been a long time coming. Obviously, 233 hours. Man, I am so excited to be that close to finishing it. So we will see how much longer it will take me to get through those four story arcs. Now, Valhalla was not the only game I played this past week. The other game I played is kind of my side quest game, as I call them, and that is The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Now, this past week, I was able to get a pretty solid five hours of progress into this game, and stemming from my last progress shared with you, I continued on from Pumpkin Plateau, And ultimately what I had to do there is I had to deliver some pumpkin soup back to Skyloft to the captain, the trainee of the Knight Academy. And I also took that opportunity to stop off at the shop for some upgrades to my rupee wallet so I can hold more rupees, which is always a plus. And I finally bought the bug catching net. Now, before going back to Pumpkin Plateau, I did spend some time exploring the skies, flying my loft wing above the clouds, and guys, I absolutely love the feeling of exhilaration that you get, or at least I get, when I'm flying around in my loft wing and those skies around Skyloft. It's just awesome the way that Nintendo did it. The music, the sense of speed, it just is awesome. And there's a ton, I mean, a ton of little tiny little islands that are floating in the air that you can jump off your loft wing and use your little glider to glide down to. and maybe they have nothing. Maybe they have a treasure chest. Maybe there's a a very quick, brief side quest where one of your friends has a hurt loft wing and you have to bring medicine or give medicine to heal the loft wing. You just randomness like this. There are some other things that I can't access yet that I haven't gotten to in the storyline uh, that I saw that looked pretty cool. There was a, a casino-looking island that I can't access yet. And uh, there was another character that I spoke with that I have to progress further in the game before I have access to do anything there. But it's just been a lot of fun really exploring those skies and those different areas around Skyloft. Now, I did make it back to Pumpkin Plateau and confirm that soup delivery. And I ultimately made my way back to Faron Woods And as I was making my way back to the Skyview Temple, guys, something happened to me that I never thought that I would be sharing with anyone about a gaming experience of mine. I'm in the woods. I'm going around minding my own business. And there's a couple of birds that are enemies in this game. And, you know, I go over to them to try to initiate the attack sequence and taking them out. I got to tell you, something happened that I paused and looked and said... No, that did not just happen. I got to make sure. Did that that did not That must have been just I'm seeing things. Well, as I continue to circle around, I was not seeing things. If you haven't played Skyward Sword HD, let me just tell you these birds will poo on you. <laughs> and I am not joking. The piece of poo actually landed at one point on Link's shoulder, and it's absolutely hysterical because the poo is just like a little ice cream swirl shaped piece of poo, and it's just sitting there on Link's shoulder. It has the little gas image emanating from the poo, and Link is sitting there, ugh, shaking his head. Oh my god, it was absolutely hysterical! And almost made my highlight of the week this week because I have never seen anything like that in any game I have ever played. And I'm not even joking. I am not joking. I promise you. I should have recorded it. I should have posted it. (sighs) But I did not, unfortunately. So ultimately, I made my way into the Shadow Temple, or the Skyview Temple. And let me just tell you, I forgot how much I love dungeons and temples in Zelda games. It's just something beautiful about them. The way that they're designed and laid out, the way the maps are so perfectly drawn and help you and guide you in a way that even sometimes is is subliminal. You don't even realize it. But just the dungeon and layout and level design is so expertly crafted. I love it. The way the puzzles are, everything kind of connects together like everything connects together if there are these rubies that you have to shoot with your slingshot to open a door it'll open a door over here that you can then activate a switch that'll flood the room next to you so you can gain access to a higher it's just these all these things and i'm sure many of you if not all of you have played zelda at some point in time and know exactly what i'm talking about but as i stated before it's been a while since i played zelda so this was awesome for me to experience again after all these years And, you know, the enemies in this dungeon, man, there were some, well, I'm not going to lie. There were some annoying enemy types that were new and specific so far to this dungeon, the large spiders. Uh, So if they are right in front of you, you know, it's not too bad. You just kind of do a uppercutted type swing with your sword and flip them on their back. And then you can do, you know, like a death death move where Link jumps in the air and stabs them. But it's the ones that are hanging from a web from the ceiling that really frustrated me because you have to hit them left to right or right to left in order to swing them side to side and have them spinning around so that you can shoot their specific, I guess, weak spot on their belly with your slingshot. And that was frustrating. Uh, That gets them dazed to where you can go in and kind of do a thrusting lunge with your sword and kill them. But I got to tell you, I lost so many hearts and got hit so many times. It was so frustrating. But once I got the hang of it, it wasn't too bad. Uh, Speaking of getting the hang of, I will say that my issues that I have had in the beginning of the game with combat, I've definitely uh, grown to learn how to best approach the combat in this game. It's definitely not a hack and slasher. You can't just flail wildly. Every enemy type is specific to direction. And again, it goes back to the fact this game was designed with motion controls as its basis. So it makes sense to me. And I've now gotten that driven into my head. So it's not as frustrating or as much of an issue as it was when I initially started playing the game. I will say the golden scarab is the newest item that I got inside the temple. And it's a lot of fun. It's a golden scarab that kind of shoots off of this wrist launcher on you know your arm and Then you can guide it uh, from a 3D sense around the environment to get to areas that you otherwise could not to activate switches or, you know, honestly, those spiders that were annoying hanging from a web, you can sever their web, which is pretty funny in certain scenarios. So I definitely thoroughly enjoyed the Scarab. And I will tell you, going back to that combat, it's a good thing that I started to get a, a hang of the combat because at the end of the temple, as is the case in any temple in Zelda, there's a boss fight. And it was with Lord Gitterman. And I hope I pronounced that right, but to me it looks like it's Gitterman. So Lord Gitterman, he is looks like to be the main antagonist of this game. And immediately I fell in love with him as a villain, as an antagonist, just perfectly executed. And there's not even any voiceovers. It's all text and you know, this is before Breath of the Wild, obviously, so there was no spoken dialogue in Zelda at this point. But just the mannerisms and the the dialogue, even though it's in text, it's like, oh man, I am totally digging this guy. Got a really cool sword, kind of a cool look. And the boss fight, initially, he was kicking my butt. I mean, he was tearing me up. But what I ultimately had to figure out is something that I'll explain to you a little bit later in the show in my Buried Treasure segment. But ultimately, I thoroughly enjoyed the boss fight. Uh, and after the boss fight, the story will take you back to Skyloft. And I did at this point stock up on some Deku seeds and I bought a newly available iron shield for Link. And it's amazing because that shield is not breakable or damageable by fire like the previous wooden shield was that I had, but it is susceptible to electricity. So definitely looking forward to seeing what that means. Now, I took some time to go bug hunting and I used my bug net and caught some butterflies and beetles. Ultimately, I finally made my way to the next major location that appeared on the map, which was the Elden Volcano, and I pretty much have just touched down there and kind of very loosely started exploring the area, but I'm loving it so far. Uh, the embers that are kind of floating in the air and the, the receding lava, and then the, it fills back up and covers certain passageways for you, and the way that the lava design, again, is set up, I've really, really enjoyed it so far. Uh, The Magmas, I've met them. They're self-proclaimed treasure hunters of the area. Seem like pretty cool characters, trying to help them out so far. But I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my time in Skyward Sword this past week, and I can't wait to continue on in my adventure. Now, let's go see what possibly could have been a highlight of the week that was not being pooed on by a bird. Gamers, what could possibly take away the highlight of the week from being pooed on by a bird? Well, it happened to be another scenario that I played out in The Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword. And this scenario was, in fact, a side quest. And as I'm going around Skyloft, I picked up this side quest as I noticed a screaming, crying mother looking for her daughter who had gone missing. And the mother is claiming and swearing up and down she was taken by a monster. So I am enlisted to help find and rescue her daughter. So as I go through, it's pretty much now Detective Link at this point. And it's talking to the different Skyloft residents and trying to see if anybody saw this daughter or this monster or where the location of these sightings may have been. And it's just really fun, to be honest, as you're going through and you get a little piece of information that takes you here and then you get a little bit more information And ultimately, it took me to this man at the inn, which was at the Pumpkin Plateau. And he had been there before when I had first gone to the Pumpkin Plateau. And it was ironic to me because he was talking about some things that at the time, obviously, had no relevance to me. But now it made all the sense in the world what he was talking about. So either way, I go back and I speak with him, and he tells you this really cool story about a demon, a tombstone, and a storage shed. And that's all I'm going to say, because I don't want to completely spell it all out for you guys. But let me just say that once he tells you these clues, you pretty much know what you have to do. And it has to be done in Skyloft at night. And I love this. And the reason why is because Skyloft is absolutely, completely different at night than it is during the daytime. (laughs) There's no overworld music playing. Monsters are around and you can get into combat and fight off these monsters. And there's different characters that are out and about, NPCs, and different things that you can do at night that you can't do during the day. And ultimately, (laughs) it was just awesome, the payoff. The, The monster, the demon, and the daughter and everything that happens in conclusion, it was just great. I also loved that it really wasn't drawn out either. I feel like within a half an hour, I had done everything that I needed to do from first speaking with the mother and accepting the quest to the finalization of the quest. So again, it wasn't drawn out. It wasn't hours long. It was just perfectly tight and compact and a lot of fun, and I absolutely loved it. Hence, my highlight of the week. Now, let's go open up the Buried Treasure Gaming Chest and see what tips I have for you in The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. Gamers, the moment I completed the boss fight against Lord Gearmen, I knew this was gonna be my Buried Treasure Gaming Tip of the Week. BOSS FIGHT! So as far as the boss fight is concerned, the biggest tip I will tell you is the very first stage of the boss fight You have to pay attention to the direction of his hand. And give him a second or two. Don't be too afraid to let him walk close enough to you to fully perform the direction of the animation of where he's placing his hand. Because, again, as I said earlier, and upon finding out, combat is all about directionality in this game because of the motion controls. So pay extremely close attention to whatever direction his hand is going in. Now at other points in the boss fight, there is a charge attack that he has that at first I felt like it was unavoidable. No matter what I did, he kept hitting me with it and it was really getting on my nerves and frustrating me a little bit. But I soon realized that if you are sprinting and then roll to dodge, you can get out of it. You just have to time it just so perfectly. You could also block with your shield, but again, if you have a wooden shield, which at this point is the only option it eventually will break with just a few hits. So my recommendation is sprint and roll and just time it perfectly. Now you could also, if you are using the shield to block, if you don't have the time to roll out of the way, or if you just can't even uh, get the sprint going quick enough and you have to block with your shield, make sure to have a restorative potion with you because what that'll do is that heals your shield essentially. Plus it gives you back a few hearts on your own health bar. And I would say ultimately, when it comes to his projectile attacks, if you want to dodge those, just keep the camera panning around him in a circular motion. Do the Z target lock on him and just keep going left or right in that circular motion around him and you should have no problems dodging those projectile attacks. Now, you combine these three methods throughout the course of the stages of this boss fight and eventually, you know, you get your hits in in between, you will be victorious. Now let's go check out this week's Captain's Decree. Gamers, in previous episodes, I have talked about Microsoft updating the achievement system. We have seen Sony update the trophy system with the launch of the PS5. So I want to take it one step further. With the Xbox Museum this past week, it got me thinking, you know what? We talk about achievements and trophies, but what about the profile page at large? So I think both Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo should look into updating what we see right now as a profile page to something more. Something more involved. So for those of you who are old enough to remember or had a PS3 at the time that PlayStation Home came out, if you remember what that was, it was very much a 3D world where you as your avatar and the PlayStation Network could go into this area and you could interact with other PlayStation Network members, friends or not. You could sit there and watch movie trailers together, game trailers. It was a very cool concept, but it never really got off the ground and it, it seemed to be costing Sony a lot of money, so they ultimately scrapped it. Unfortunately, I don't feel like it was ever given the opportunity to really blossom into the potential that it had. So if you take that kind of concept where you have a 3D world and avatars and you can interact with other friends and people, maybe tone it down a little bit so that it's more manageable. And what I mean is maybe more akin to what the Xbox museum is. Maybe in the 3D space sense of it all, you could have just that localized to your individual time in that world. So I could not necessarily go into a 3D world and access Logan Phoenix from Graveyard Gamers profile or 3D space and he neither he to me. But we could do it individually on our own consoles and see our own accomplishments in a 3D space sort of way. But what they could do from a community standpoint is have the same similar setup it's a 3D space but it's not a shared space between the network of friends in the community it's individual to you so i could technically go into logan phoenix's space and it would have different stats on display like the xbox museum had you know the different trophies that he's unlocked in games and his platinums maybe a special place for those and Just little pieces of nostalgia sitting around, just like the Xbox Museum with the Warthogs or controllers or the consoles themselves, and kind of also liken it to Astro's Playroom. I think about that as well. That was uh, just a love letter to PlayStation, and you could add those elements to it and just really kind of theme it up and tailor it to whether it's PlayStation or Xbox. I just think it would be a lot of fun and give more, maybe I don't want to say purpose, but... More of a engaging reason to share and a, a friend's uh, successes or or their career uh, statistics, if you will, and I think that's a lot of fun. Uh, in my personal opinion, I love looking at that stuff. But as opposed to just being a blank static page with a bio, a name, uh, a city, and a country of origin, you know, why don't we liven it up a little bit? Add something more to it and just the combination of what PlayStation Home was trying to be, the nostalgia of Astro's Playroom, and what Xbox Museum has recently done as well. If you combine elements of all of those into something brand new and fresh and just interactive and fun for our profiles, I think that would be pretty awesome. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by searching for Hulking Yoda on the Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch networks. Reach out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com as well as find me on social media on Instagram at Lost at sea Gaming and on Twitter at Lost at sea, G-A-M-I-N, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.